Welcome to the 19th episode of the TIFF podcast. We have here today with us Ryan Swires, and with his help, we will explore the intersections between public health training, the third sector, and cricket. Hi Ryan, could you please introduce yourself and tell us about your background in public health? Yeah, sure. Um, So, hello everyone, I'm Ryan Swires, and I'm currently a registrar in the East Midlands, and I think background in public health, like lots of people, um, I probably came into public health by accident. Um, so I have an unusual background. I played cricket as a, a career initially when I left school. So I played um, cricket professionally in this country for a couple of years and then had a couple of years abroad playing. After that, I ended up at university in Liverpool where I studied history with no plan in mind. and. During that time, I sort of fell into doing some exercise referral sessions for um, the PCT up in Merseyside. That was my first introduction to public health. And yeah, through that delivery, found out a little bit more about public health and the things that that they did, certainly health improvement activities, and was very interested, enjoyed what I did, and just kind of worked my way through through a number of different positions in the PCT then, um, all principally in health improvement, so around physical activity and weight management and community mental health services. Did that for a number of years, probably about seven or eight years, and then moved sideways, I guess, into uh, wider determinants of health. So when we moved across to the local authority, I um, I kind of led on housing and transport and planning, uh, which was great. That was something brand new to me. And during that time, I did the Masters in Public Health up there in Liverpool, all of which led me to, to where I wanted to kind of have more influence, to be able to uh, to do things at a different level, which is what led me onto the training scheme. Um, and I applied in 2014 and started the following year down here in, in the East Midlands. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, I hear that you recently worked on a third sector project in Rwanda. Could you tell us about it, how you got involved in it? Yeah, sure. So, um, again, almost by accident, I um, was told by a colleague that they'd seen a, a post on the, the National Registrar Yahoo group advertising um, a possible placement opportunity for a registrar with um, a sports-based charity who delivered health promotion interventions in um, sub-Saharan Africa. And the reason they forwarded it to me was that the sport this charity used was cricket. So they thought, seemed a perfect match that somebody with a cricket and a public health background would want to get involved. And so I contacted mm-hmm. the organization, which was a charity called Cricket Without Boundaries, and they knew that they wanted somebody with a public health background to help support their work, but didn't really know what they would want from that person. So I met with them. We had a couple of uh, really positive conversations, and I was very enthusiastic about trying to get involved with some of the work that they were doing. And then there was just a little bit of work to do sort of with my educational supervisor and the the training program director here in the East Midlands to explain what it was to them and, and what I thought the benefits would be. But essentially they were they were supportive. We came up with a project proposal and that was it really. I spent about nine months, ten months working with them on a part time basis. Much of that was 
UK based, but the kind of culmination of it was that um, I went out to Rwanda in October of this year with them to uh, to see some of that been delivered and get a different insight, I suppose, to uh, to how health promotion works. So, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic opportunity for me. Oh, indeed, fantastic and fantastic story. I mean, apart from cricket, uh, what skills did you develop during the placement, and how did you relate these to the uh, FPH curriculum? Yeah, so initially I had to kind of pause and think, am I just getting in, involved in this because it's the first public health project I've ever seen that has cricket in and that <laughs> really appeals to me. So I had to just... That's not part of the sense, curriculum, yeah. cricket, I, I no, Yeah, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> it's, it's not on the curriculum yet. Uh, <laughs> but why not? We, um, should, we should suggest it. Maybe maybe there's space for it. Absolutely, that can be uh, that can be my next action. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, I had to do a bit of thinking about was this really going to be relevant? Was it going to be something that that would count towards training and be useful in terms of the curriculum? And so I sketched out some things that I, I thought it might do, and actually it met all of them and more, really. So some of the, I suppose, some of the key public health skills are the same as they would be in any setting, really. So the piece of work that I did started off with an evidence review around the, the use of sport and cricket in particular to deliver health promotion messages. So very typical public health beginning. There was a lot of stakeholder engagement, both with volunteers, academics and health professionals in this country and particularly in Rwanda, which was the country that I focused on. So there's a lot of that very traditional public health work, but much of it was done remotely. Much of it was done via Skype and, and other mediums. and Again, that that partnership working, which typically we probably do day to day, face to face in meetings, most of that happened remotely via email, via calls at evenings and weekends. So it was it certainly showed me a bit about working flexibly, but it also gave me a really good understanding. Certainly, some of the challenges of of trying to work with a developing country where the way in which services are coordinated and delivered is, is very different from what I was used to here, but also really, really useful to get an inside understanding of, of working in a third sector organization. So I suspect like lots of people in public health, I'm quite used to working with the third sector, but that's often through commissioning projects or, or some partnership working, yeah. but actually being placed within it. within that organisation. Yeah. yeah, made a real difference seeing some of the challenges they've got, especially small charities. So that I think that certainly helped me in terms of coming back to to more typical public health work. And then I think probably the last thing I would say that related to the curriculum was some of those leadership skills. So unlike the local authority where I am now and I'm a member of a public health team in Cricket Without Boundaries that project Mm -hmm. effectively I was the public health team so there's a real sense of responsibility on you because they look to you for their public health guidance their their leadership so very quickly you realize actually you've got lots of autonomy but lots of responsibility Mm -hmm. too so yeah, so I guess that's a long-winded way of saying that um, that I think I've developed a lot of skills and, and they were all relevant, really, to the curriculum. And um, oh, that's, that's very interesting. And, and what, what were some of the specific outputs from the project? Um, so some of the things that, that came out of the project, um, I guess a, a, a fairly big one was the charity had traditionally 
had a focus on HIV mm-hmm. that had for 12 years since the charity started that had been their primary objective trying to raise awareness and deliver education around HIV using sport but actually when we looked at some of the data the countries that they focused on whilst they all still had um, a challenge with HIV actually that wasn't necessarily the the main health issue that the big driver in those countries so through some some work that we did a workshop that we held where we we had people UK based come along but we also had people dial in from from some of the target countries we we kind of came round to the understanding that a needs led delivery would be more appropriate which i think has helped build some of those partnerships lots of charities do work in sub saharan africa i think it's quite difficult to become part of the the, the standard offer in the country and i think actually we've we've really helped move forward with that by agreeing to to work with public health teams locally to um, to base the interventions on on evidence about what what's most needed there um which i think that's a that's probably the the major output but there've been others around a, a greater focus on evaluation so um, again a capacity issue means that evaluation often um, relies largely on on counting numbers they're mainly outputs rather than outcomes driven but through some of the work we've done with the university in Rwanda, we've actually got support from uh, master's level public health students out there to uh, to do some data collection and, and help with the evaluation on an ongoing basis. And I guess the final output, um, which is an output for, for public health trainees rather than the charity, is that there are now two other registrars who've effectively taken this project on um, from me. And so they'll be working in two different countries one in uganda one in rwanda and they've both made a commitment to to try and continue that so that we can have some sustainable input both for the the benefit of the charity but actually to to keep a link for public health trainees to uh to continue to get this experience Mm -hmm. and and um it's it's always a question i mean it's it's an interesting question for our audience how to get a placement so was it difficult to get a placement in a voluntary organizations and did you need to take time out of program to do it um so surprisingly no it was fairly straightforward for me i think it probably helped that at the time i was placed with public health england um, who have a global health function, so it probably helped that working with a charity that had a you know global health remit sort of came under their umbrella. And in terms of the the approval locally and the time out of program, uh, there wasn't really a precedent set for this. So I guess if we're being honest, we were sort of making this up as we went along. But my supervisor and the the director locally were happy that. I'd have sufficient support. I I retained my supervisor because I was only placed with the charity, you know, a day a week. So I didn't have to do anything different in terms of supervision. And they were satisfied that actually it was going to meet my learning objectives and it was going to be a a worthwhile activity for me to do. So it, it actually just fit into part of my placement at Public Health England. And now the the other two trainees who have taken it on are placed with local authorities and have both been able to pick that up without too much difficulty i think so um, i think as long as you've got you know if you're pragmatic and you've got pragmatic people around you then uh, 
hopefully that can be something we can we can do more of. I totally agree. It's an unexplored space that we should we should expand. And um a bit a bit more about the placement. So what were the main challenges that you encountered during the project and how did you manage to overcome them? Um so I suppose the main challenges are are things anyone who's ever worked part time for somebody will know that the main challenge is part time doesn't really mean part time. Um the lines yeah. become <laughs> very blurred. So Indeed. um yeah, any any good intentions that you might have about one day a week being, you know, a, a Monday I'll work on this project and Tuesday on this project, that doesn't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things things do merge um, and you're often dependent upon somebody else completing an action before you can move forward. And some of those people are a long way away. So the time management is definitely something to consider with this type of project. And just being flexible around the fact that you're going to have to do some things outside of normal working hours. You're going to have to pick pick up more than a day a week sometimes, but other weeks there'll be less. And I think just that distance from work, you know, we're all encouraged to to work flexibly and to you know to spend some time working at home or in different settings, which has got real benefits. But there is something that's quite challenging about been fairly isolated so most of your time working in this type of project is spent on your own which does does bring additional challenges so the nature of of cricket without boundaries is that the um the other volunteers and the um the kind of core members of the team there are spread and dispersed throughout the country so i made efforts to try and meet with people but it's it's an imperfect science i guess so you've got to be prepared to um to do lots of your communication over the phone and um to be very sort of self-motivated really but yeah like anything without wanting to be too positive all those challenges can be opportunities if you see them in that way so yeah i think i think you've got to look at it positively um there are plenty of challenges but i think the benefits far outweigh any of the uh, of those challenges yeah, and, and I guess I guess the challenges are part of the training. I mean, the working from home and uh, and the isolation and and time management of part time could could we could devote an entire program to them because they did something that that goes beyond even the training and uh, with the way that public health has been organized now. I guess everybody would have a way to contribute and analyze the problems. Yeah, personally. very much. It's it's such a topical topical subject. Um, instead, on on the positive, given that we close on a positive key, have any further opportunities arisen as a result of your work on this project? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty, really. I suppose there's lots of opportunities, sort of beyond the project, I guess. In that, um, anyone who's ever done any volunteering or worked with a voluntary organisation will know that you just meet some fantastic people. So, in in many respects, I was quite privileged to be spending my time on this whilst whilst in employment but other people put in a huge amount of time and commitment all off their own back all you know in and around families and jobs so you you come across some wonderful people and and you kind of feel obliged to continue to to put effort in so I, I very much suspect that I'll stay involved with this charity partly through through some of that evaluation work that I mentioned we're, we're hoping to to contribute to the evidence base so there's very limited evidence base um in rwanda and using cricket as 
as a means of health promotion. So there's definitely something very tangible there that I hope to stay involved with. But also beyond that, I suppose, and beyond this charity, we've we've done some work in the East Midlands to try and promote further third sector placements. So the school board here have been very supportive. Um, I think in recognising that the third sector plays a huge role now in public health delivery, and we're all asking more of that that sector. Um, everybody is is asking for for charities to take on more of the work. So actually getting other projects where you're placed there can only be a good thing whether that's because it you know it helps you understand the system or whether that's because in the future third sector organizations might might employ public health staff directly so yeah certainly in in the east midlands we're we're doing quite a bit of work to try and, and get more opportunities in charities either international ones or local ones so I think that's I think that's a real positive that stemmed from this, yeah, for uh, for the training program more broadly. And and uh, we we approaching the end of the the episode, and we we traditionally always ask a question that's usually phrased around where would you spend your study budget, which resources would you devote it to? Okay. I'll I'll phrase it this way. So could you suggest any good resource? Uh, sort of source of resources such as reports, research papers, conferences, and at the point courses that you would recommend for public health practitioners and registrars that wish to gain further experience in international projects like uh, yours with the voluntary sector. Okay. Um, I suppose you don't have to go too far to find uh, lots of noise about uh, charity work and public health. You know, the King's Fund, for example, have a whole whole sort of topic area on their website about charity and and the role it plays in in health in this country um and some of the big voluntary organizations um so the national association for voluntary and community action and the national council for voluntary organizations they've got a wealth of information about projects that are going on and um some of the evidence that underpins them nice also have got a a scholarship currently they've got a scholar who's looking at um supporting the third sector to deliver evidence-based interventions so it's an area of work that that nice are very interested in but i think what what i would say is rather than probably looking for courses or conferences i think the best thing to do is to find something that that you care about that means something to you because there will be a third sector organization somewhere working on that you know the, the sector's enormous, and you know I was very fortunate. I, I was involved with a, a charity that work internationally, but just on a local level, you know, if you're able to get in touch with your um, voluntary sector organisations through you know the VCS community, I, I'm sure that they would welcome you with open arms, whatever level of commitment you could offer, whether that was on a placement like I've done or whether it was just um you know more to find out a bit of information and to do some um to do some research there's a real appetite i think for um for public health in that sector so yeah i think rather than rather than allocating a study budget i'd just encourage people to um to find out a bit more about the sector locally and see if there are things that they can contribute yeah, to yeah yeah thank you thank you that that's that's a good insight and i think the audience are the, our colleagues i mean our colleague registrars and practitioners will certainly heed on that advice um is, we're really approaching this is probably the end of the episode so is there anything else that you'd like to discuss that we haven't covered with the questions um okay so 
I'll probably just say two things to finish. Um, yeah. One of them is probably specifically about my my piece of work that I was very lucky that I found a piece of work that really interested me and gave me the opportunity to do something different and to travel to a different country to see public health delivered. I think I would just encourage people to do, if you find something that you want to do and that you think is important, to uh, to make it happen really so the, there wasn't there weren't any rules about how this worked it, it just took it just took a little bit of work to join the dots up and make a good case that actually this um is outside of normal training but it, it definitely contributes and definitely um you know gives you something extra so i think there's yeah there's just that thing about actually if if the voluntary sector is something you're interested in which i hope that lots of lots of listeners are then you know, I would encourage people to pursue some opportunities and to, uh, you know, to really make them happen. And then the last thing I'll just mention is is Rwanda specific. And I'll tell you about this because I've told everybody that I've that has asked me about Rwanda, all about it. So people always ask you when you go to any country, what what was it like, and you know, tell me about that place. There's something in Rwanda that I had never heard of called uh, Umaganda, and Umaganda is. Um, an initiative driven by the government that encourages everybody, resident, tourist, anybody in Rwanda, the third Saturday of every month, to give up three hours of their time to do voluntary work. So wow. it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's enforced, and there are pros and cons of that. But over time, it's become just part of day-to-day life there. And the impact is huge. It really is. It really got me thinking about the power of communities acting together so lots of that ends up being people collecting rubbish and tidying up their local neighborhood which has got well it's got two big benefits one is that generally people keep their area very clean and tidy because they know that that means less to do when it's umaganda but it also means that once a month everything stops people stop doing what's you know whatever their work is or whatever normally you know keeps them busy and they come together Normal and do economy. something. Yeah, absolutely. They come together and do something collectively, and it it does sound a little cliche, but it really is quite powerful when you when you're part of that to see everybody pull together. So I think it's just yeah, I found that something that really left an impression with me, and I think there's no reason why you know whether at that scale or not, but whether whether things that have real community action can't happen more in uh, in the UK too. Thank you, Ryan. That was there was. Uh... An incredible insight that I wouldn't have been able to tease out of you even asking a question. I mean, only only living this project, you could have learned that. Um, so the message, I guess, at the end is identify your passion, follow your passion and make it happen using a bit of creativity and uh, and 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 insistence. And uh, it will be it, you will be rewarded by sort of ser- serendipitous finds out there. I think so. Yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> there's there's lots of benefits. You've just got to. Uh... Yeah, don't take no for an answer. I think that's the uh, that's the message. If you think it's important, then make everybody else think that too. Pursue it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Ryan, for your time, and uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Again, this is, was episode nineteen of the Tiff Podcast, and you can uh, follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, and you can retweet and share this uh, this episode so that other registrars can find it and spread it themselves. Thank you. And goodbye.